Hey everybody, good afternoon and welcome. This is Anthony D'Ambrosio. I'm the Vice President of Sales at Supply Chain Solutions, and you are listening to the Ship Show Series podcast, the show that gives you the inside angle on all things related to supply chain and logistics and beyond. Today's February 29th, 2024, and yes, it's leap year. And on this week's show, We'll be analyzing the, FM, the FMC's recent final rule on detention and demerit billing practices and how it will affect everyone up and down the supply chain. So let, let us jump in and unpack this for everyone. So I think we have to ask ourselves, how did we get here? What brought us to this final rule? And really, when you think about it, uh, it starts with the story of demerge and detention fees, which began in the 70s. So let's go back to the 1970s when container shipping was just taking off. Ultimately, you have to go back where it first began. And the reason they put these rules in place, demerge and detention, is because when the industry started, people would use ocean containers for warehousing and they would let their containers sit at the port forever. Now, don't forget, in the 70s, container ships only held 2,000 TEUs, uh, 2,000 20-foot containers at a time. Here we are almost 45 years later, and the ships are now holding in excess of 25,000 TEUs, or 20-foot containers, and that's 10 times as big. Now, Marine terminals only have so much space on the waterfront. As the ships got bigger and bigger, the problem became that the terminals needed people to come pick up the containers faster. So they had more room because the ships were coming in every week. There wasn't enough space on the terminals, essentially. Now, to put it in context, you think about the life cycle of a seasonal product. Let's just say, for example, a plastic long chair that you would use in the summertime or in the spring, okay? Those things start selling around April or May. Now, the first time you really see them in the stores is in May. And over in Asia where they're made, they start making them in November and December because they've got to make literally millions of them. And they start shipping them over here in January. And in the past, what happened was, and, and this has gone back 30 years, the container would land here in March, and if the customer didn't have a big enough warehouse, they would let them sit in the container until they were ready to sell them in May. So you can only imagine the sort of implications that would have down at the ports uh, all around the country. So this is why the demerge and detention rules were put into place to incentivize shippers to, re to retrieve their cargo and keep things moving. Um, so, you know, as international shipping became a monster industry, demerge and detention rules were put into place to say to the people, hey, come and get your cargo off the pairs and give me back my containers so I can put them back in the shipping cycle. I mean, it was really a vicious cycle. So this is how we got to this point, to this final ruling. So now let's look at the final rule itself. Now, the final rule was issued on February 23rd, 2024 by the Federal Maritime Commission, which establishes new requirements for how common carriers and marine terminal operators 
MTOs must bill for demerge and detention charges, providing clarity on who can be billed within the time frame, you know, what's that time frame, and the process for disputing bills when a dispute arises. Now, I really think it's important to explain the difference between common carriers and MTOs, marine terminal operators, and I'm sure everyone knows, but it's always good to revisit. Now, a common carrier is defined by U.S. law is a private or public entity that transports goods from, uh, or people from one place to another for a fee. And a marine terminal operator, as defined by 46 CFR, Section 525.1, Part C, Section 13, okay, that's a lot in the regulation, in the Code of Federal Re Regulations, these marine terminal operators provide wharfage, dock, warehouse, and other marine-borne um, uh, uh, terminal facilities to ocean common carriers moving cargo through the ocean-borne foreign commerce of the United States. Uh, and, M and, and MTOs, these marine terminal operators, they include two different entities. First, what you have is the public port authorities. Public port, port authorities are the people that own and maintain the docks and other facilities and sometimes directly operate the marine terminal that ocean common carriers use. And then you have the private terminal operators, okay? So if you, you have the public port authorities, and you have the private terminal operators. And these private terminal operators, they lease terminals from a public port authority, which acts as a landlord and operates the lease terminals as a private business. So here's why that's important, folks. And here's the key provision from the final rule. So a key provision of this rule determines that the marriage or detention invoices can only be issued to either one, the person whose account the billing parties provide ocean transportation or storage of cargo, uh, and who uh, contracted with the billing party for the ocean transportation or storage of the cargo, and two, uh, the consignee, defined as the ultimate recipient of the cargo. And that stipulates um, um, you know, that. Now, demarriage and detention bills cannot be issued to multiple parties simultaneously. The rule also requires vessel operating common carriers and MTOs to issue detention and demarriage invoices within 30 calendar days when charges were last incurred. And non-vessel operating common carriers must issue demarriage and detention invoices within 30 calendar days from the issuance date of the invoice they received. Billed parties have at least 30 days to make fee mitigation, refund, or waiver request. Um, so, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a really um, detailed uh, situation. Um, so now, let's fast forward because the new rule will advance the commission's goal of promoting supply chain fluidity by ensuring a clear connection between pickup, um, pardon me, uh, and I want to read the rule exactly, 
by ensuring a clear connection between the failure to pick up the cargo and return it in a timely manner and for the appropriate fee. The rule ensures that billed parties understand that the marriage or detention invoices that are received by, you know, by requiring certain identifiable information to be included by the billing party on the invoice. Failing to include any of the required information in a detention or demerge invoice eliminates any obligation of the billed party to pay for the applicable charge. And that's really important. Again, if they fail to include any of the required information in a detention or demerge invoice, that eliminates any obligation of the billed party to pay the applicable charge. Now, of course, if an invoice does comply, the charge party does have an obligation to pay the charges billed. And the new rule will provide relief to parties who should never have received the bill um, for detention or demerge. Now, most of the rule takes effect on May 26, 2024. The contents of the invoice, which it falls under Section 541.6, involves information collection and must be approved by the Office of Management and Budget. And the Commission will announce the effective date of Section 541.6 once it's approved. So now that's the rule, and it's, it's a very complicated rule. Um, so why do we get detention into marriage charges? What are some of the reasons? What are some of the systemic issues? And, uh, you know, just to go over a few issues, I think the fees are a big issue on the West Coast because of appointment systems. Demerge and detention fees can be an issue in many places. And uh, this is because on the West Coast, all marine terminals have appointment systems. And this can make picking up a container within the allotted free time difficult when terminals are busy and appointments are scarce. For example, if my container becomes available on Monday and I call the terminal to make an appointment, but the terminal can't get me an appointment to come in until Wednesday, how can they say I'm using up my free time if I can't get in until Wednesday? How can you say that my free time started Monday when I cannot even get it on Monday? These are, these are the types of complaints that the FMC will take a closer look at and will be more likely to rule uh, that the fees assessed were unreasonable. Another example, another example of, of this is uh, cargo. Cargo can be held up for many reasons beyond the shipper's control, including the government. Okay, and the government can sometimes be the reason that the cargo is held or delayed. And, and this circumstance is usually out of the shipper's control. But historically, shippers have complained that they have been charged the marriage fees while their cargo was detained by a government agency. And it's not just U.S. Customs, okay? There are many government agencies that can hold up cargo besides U.S. Customs. You have Food and Drug and Fish and Wildlife, you know, Department of Agriculture, APHIS, um, you know, EPA. There's a whole gluttony of things that can hold it up. Now, what's important is that the new rules say if the cargo is not available, you can't charge if it's not the customer's fault. So, again, some really interesting reasons. And then another re reason is port congestion. Port congestion is a major factor in demerge and detention freeze. 
Court delays can sometimes lead to demerge and detention charges. And even though the delays are often beyond the control of motor carriers and shippers, delays can be caused by a number of reasons, including labor disputes and strikes, weather, construction, chassis shortages, operational system failures, and port congestion. And another important factor from a trucking standpoint is also port congestion. You know, if I cannot get into the facility, into the port facility, because there are lines that are a couple of miles long, and we see that all the time up here in the port of New York and New Jersey, especially during the pandemic, and even now when the congestion is heavy, you know, lines can, can you know, can can unfold a mile or two down the New Jersey Turnpike trying to get into the port of New York or New Jersey. Okay. So, you know, it's not just because of storms or strikes there are or weather issues. Okay. We have to be reasonable because, you know, we're all reasonable people and you just can't arbitrarily charge people when they can't get into the port because of port congestion. Port congestion is not just congestion where ships can't get into the port. It also is, uh, you know, uh, another phenomenon is port congestion for trucking companies not being able to get into the port. The same thing goes for returning an empty container for per diem, okay? If I'm going to return an empty container and I get there and they say, we can't take it today, bring it back tomorrow, it's not reasonable to charge me during that time. And I'm sure everyone is familiar with this and has encountered this. The port congestion and the other events impending port access have occurred periodically for many years and, and undoubtedly are going to keep occurring again. So this is why the FMC's ruling will consider these factors when they de determine the reasonableness of the fees and complaints. So, um, you know, also what we need to think about is the FMC will consider the reasonableness of the fees on a case-by-case -case basis, and that's really important. Because of the varying circumstances and conditions across all the different ports and marine terminals, the FMC did not set a blanket number of free days or terms for the charges. The commission will instead consider complaints on a case-by-case -case basis, which is a good thing, which leads me to the last thing I would really like to touch on today that's important for you to know. So there are seven criteria that the FMC will evaluate when assessing demerge and detention complaints. The FMC announced seven factors in determining the reasonableness of demerge and detention. In short, these seven criteria are cargo availability, empty container returns, notice of cargo availability, government inspections, demerge and detention policies, transparent terminology, and non-preclusion. So let's just go through each one of these very quickly. So what is the cargo availability? I'm sure we could all visualize that and understand that, but the FMC will consider whether there is an appointment system, appointment availability, a trucker's access to the terminal, and chassis availability when appropriate in its analysis for determining whether the cargo is available. 
Availability at a minimum means that the container would need to be physically available. So that's what they mean by cargo availability, okay? Now, when we talk about empty container returns, instances where empty containers cannot be returned for no fault of the NVOCC or shipper and detention is nonetheless assessed will likely be found to be unreasonable. And, and for example, this includes a refusal to accept empties, a requirement that the truckers engage in dual moves, uncommunicated or untimely communicated changes in container return requirements, or uncommunicated or untimely communicated notice of terminal closures for empty containers. So as you can see, there is a lot of communication involved in this whole process. Uh, and the flow of the information, you know, is just as important as the flow of the freight. And oftentimes when this communication gets interrupted, this is why containers can't be returned. Now let's talk about the notice of cargo availability. So when we talk about cargo availability in that notice, the carrier and the marine terminal operator must notify when the container is available and the commission may consider to whom notice is provided. The format of the notice, the method of its distribution, and the timing to determine if it was reasonable. Um, so again, notice of cargo availability, extremely important. Let's talk about the fourth um, criteria, government inspections. So as the government inspections are, you know, are very complicated and the type of inspection can vary, the commission will instead uh, inquire whether the assessment of demerit and detention serves the incentive principle. If not, assessing demerit and detention in these circumstances would be considered suspect. So there's a lot of reasons why government inspections hold us up from getting containers. If it's on a vacuous exam, um, you know, an intensive exam, these are all reasons. Is it an FDA hold? Is it a you know, agriculture hold. There's many reasons. So the 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 FMC commission is really going to consider this and weigh this heavily. And then let's talk about the fifth criteria, which is demerit and detention policies. Now the FMC would consider the existence, the accessibility, content, and clarity of their demerit and detention policies and whether they reflect the entity's actual practices. Okay. So the FMC is going to look favorably on carriers who put policies on their website and or include uh, with ocean carrier tariffs, MTO schedules, uh, and, and they should include points of contact, timeframes for resolving the disputes and any reasonable evidentiary requirements. So essentially what this is saying, if um, the marine terminal operators and the carriers are not um, you know, making the information available, if they're not putting the proper schedules for picking up containers, um, the points of contact, the time frames for doing that, the methodology for resolving a dispute, um, you know, the FMC is going to look at this now and is not going to allow them to just arbitrarily impose detention and demerge if things are not clearly posted or outlined and communicated. And then let's look at the sixth one, transparent terminology. 
And God knows in today's podcast, we're giving a lot of terminology. And sometimes it's really hard to be, you know, to keep track of this stuff. So let's talk about transparent terminology. And the commission is also going to consider the extent to which carriers and MTOs have appropriately defined the terms used in their demerge and detention tariffs and practices, the accessibility of those definitions, and the extent to which the definitions differ from how the terms are generally used. And uh, you'd be surprised, uh, you know, how often that comes into play when these different terminologies are not defined clearly and that results in detention and demerge. And then the last one, which is a big one, is the non-preclusion. So finally, the commission added a non-preclusion provision, and this makes it clear that the FMC is not bound to follow any prescribed uh, formula in determining whether, how can I say, whether a challenge practice is reasonable, but may instead consider additional factors like arguments and evidence as appropriate for why someone couldn't get in to pick up or return an empty container. So now they're going to hear those arguments, which is a which is a great thing for everybody in the industry. So let's bring it home now and just just, you know, go down this rabbit hole. So the FMC will be keeping a close eye on how ocean carriers assess these fees moving forward. Um, I really think that this ruling is great news um, for the industry. You know, it's great news for shippers because it paves the way for an easy channel to resolve disputes and brings clarity to when the fees should be assessed. And I really think with this whole FMC rolling, uh, you know, this ruling that they're going to really be looking at cargo availability, empty container returns and cargo availability notices. And, you know, in, in other words, when did they tell you the, per, the, the person, the cargo was available? What's that methodology? That is especially important because, again, if you don't tell me my cargo is available, how do I know to come and get it? And it's great to know that the FMC has the backs of the shippers, carriers, and NVOs when it comes to fair detention practices. Um, and what this says is if you end up bringing a case to the FMC and they can see that someone has really acted unfairly or unreasonable, I think they're going to end up losing their case no matter what. Um, now, let's just talk about what I see as a future trend. So uh, in the future, um, we could see clearinghouses of demerge and detention policies, Accessibility of each carrier and, and MTO demerge and detention policies remain an issue. That's a big issue, getting access to all this information. And in my opinion, uh, we're going to end up sometime in the near future, there will be a massive clearinghouse where all this info is stored to go get it because today every terminal is different. Every steamship line is different and every port is different. They all operate differently with their own different little methodologies. So trying to track down all these moving parts and keep it straight and keep the varying terms straight and, and the conditions is really a daunting task and a burden for the shippers. So uh, if, if it doesn't happen in the whole country, in the whole nation, the whole United States, it certainly has to happen 
in a regional uh, basis, you know, in the Northeast and the Southeast uh, and the Southwest in the Midwest. Okay, we need to regionalize this. For example, in the Port of New York, there are five major terminals. And at some point, all of the information has to be at one place. And that's not how it is right now, unfortunately. So, you know, to surmise all this and bring it to, to a conclusion, the future should see a consolidation of this information to make it more accessible and transparent for customers. And then for, you know, the STB, the Surface Transportation Board, also announced a similar ruling for rail demerge fees. But that's a topic for another show. So in closing, I want to thank everyone for joining the SHIP Show today. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the content. It's, um, it's a very detailed regulation. There's a lot of moving parts, a lot of uh, different dynamics. Um, I hope it wasn't confusing. And I just want to say, don't forget to tune in next week for the Freight Market Roundup. And as usual, make it a great day and God bless America. Thanks for joining and look forward to seeing you next week. Take care, everybody.